Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips about improving the health and well being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory or even the quality of a senior's healthcare. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. In episode six, we heard from patient empowerment expert, e-patient Dave DeBroncart, and we talked about the benefits of being a more involved and proactive participant in your own healthcare or in the healthcare of your older parent or relative, if you're one of the many family caregivers who's reached the point at which you have to be involved or even completely manage your older relative's medical care. And we talked about how the idea is to be better equipped and enabled and empowered in healthcare, and how that's important because it helps people get healthcare that's a better fit for their needs. And it also helps double check that nothing has fallen through the cracks or even that you're being offered treatment options based on the latest research and recommendations. So in this episode, I wanna tell you about a relatively easy way to be more proactive, and it works really well for improving the healthcare of an older person. And it's this, it's to set up and maintain a personal health record, which basically means keeping your own copies of an older person's health records. And I want to talk about this because in my experience, not nearly enough people and families do this. Uh, I've actually come across fairly few older adults and families who are keeping more than kind of an emergency medical packet or maybe a few copies occasionally of uh, a scan or radiology result. So this is something that's relatively easy, can work really well and can have lots of advantages. I'm going to talk about what they are in a moment but most people aren't doing. So why is this? Uh, I think it's for two reasons. One is I think many people just don't appreciate how common it is for older adults to experience harm or worse medical care because doctors are often lacking key health information at the time they see an older person. And the second problem I think is that people often aren't sure how to go about maintaining their own set of health records or they might be worried that it's a lot of work. So In today's episode, I'm going to talk about why it can be so incredibly helpful and useful when families and older adults are proactive and maintain a personal health record, and I'm going to try to demystify it so that it sounds like something doable, which I really think it is. And then I'll also briefly cover what type of medical information is most important for you to have, because I am talking about more than just the usual emergency packet, which tends to have things like a list of chronic conditions, allergies, medications. That's a good start, but you can achieve so much more by taking things just a few steps further, like including laboratory results and some other information. And so I'll address that a little bit more in the episode. And I also have some tips on how you can more easily get this information from your doctors. Also, in case you're wondering, I do have two articles about this uh, topic, personal health records for older adults and what kind of information to include on the website. So of course, I'll link to those in the show notes. And so you don't have to worry about taking notes while you're listening. So let's get to it. I want to start by covering five extremely common problems that affect the healthcare of older adults, which you can avoid or minimize by keeping a personal health record. So problem number one, 
experiencing a delay in getting the right treatment or needed treatment because test results aren't available. So this comes up a lot for older adults who often see many different doctors and get tests ordered by one doctor and then perhaps see another. Uh, Or they may have had tests done in the emergency room and then they follow up with their primary care doctor. So often in doing our work as doctors, we need test results in order to know how to proceed medically. And if tests have been done, but the results aren't available easily to us, then the doctor's options are to fly blind or reorder the tests, which happens a fair bit, or plan to request the test results. And then we tell the older person, why don't you come back in a few weeks? So those kinds of delays are quite common and they're a problem in that it's setting back the time for the older person to get the right treatment. And that might mean more time with an uncomfortable symptom, or if they fly blind, then the older person might get treatment that's not right. Maybe their medication should have been adjusted based on their, the results of their kidney testing or liver testing, and that can potentially be unsafe. So when you have your own results with you and can provide them to a doctor, that reduces the delay in getting the right treatment. So another common problem that comes up is getting worse care in the emergency room or in urgent care. This is another situation where often older people have to see new doctors who, uh, unless you're getting your health care in an integrated health system where all the different doctors and types of doctors can access the same medical record, often when older people see doctors for an urgent issue or, or an emergency, those doctors don't have access to medical information that is in the electronic chart systems of other doctors. And uh, especially when it's an urgent issue or an emergent issue, that's when it's really useful to have the right information at that time. If it seems really important, the doctors in urgent care in the emergency room will just reorder tests. But some tests, like the results of radiology uh, exams, are, um, are not things that they can necessarily redo quickly. So if you're able to bring that or share that, then you can get better care in urgent care or the emergency room. A third problem that comes up a lot for older adults is suboptimal medication prescribing, by which I mean getting prescribed either a medication that's wrong in that it interacts with other medications or isn't a good fit given the person's underlying health conditions and maybe past laboratory test results. So people can sometimes be prescribed something that's wrong or harmful for them, or sometimes it's just not useful. So for instance, sometimes people are prescribed something by a doctor who doesn't realize that a previous doctor had already tried that medication in the past and that it hadn't worked. I see that happen uh, quite a lot. Or another specific example is I have seen older people get treated with an antibiotic for an infection, and then a month later when they see another doctor and get treated again, they're given the same antibiotic. And that's because the second doctor didn't realize that the previous doctor had prescribed an antibiotic. And that's a problem in that you're not supposed to be treated with the same antibiotic soon afterwards, because there's a good chance that the bacteria in the body have developed some resistance to the first antibiotic. So again, if you're able to bring records with you showing this is what the previous doctor did, and this is the medication they gave me. And bear in mind that antibiotics are not usually on people's chronic medication lists, right? Um, Then you can uh, get better care um, and better medication prescribing. So a fourth problem that comes up quite a lot for older adults is getting suboptimal care when they switch to a new primary care provider. 
So in late life, a fair amount of people move, and sometimes they move quite a long ways away. They might move to a different state to live closer to their adult children, or their current primary care doctor might retire and they move to another provider uh, in the area or close by. And so when people come to see that new primary care provider, in my experience, it's fairly common for them to come and not have much in the way of health records. And in the clinic where I used to work, when we had patients come who were going to be new to us, we were supposed to go through this whole process of requesting the records from the previous doctor. But that often took quite a long time. And so either the new patient's primary care visit, their new primary care visit was put off quite a bit while we were waiting for the records from the other provider, or they would come and we would be lacking all this information. And people do often know what problems chronic conditions they have, but I find that when I compare what they tell me with what I find in the medical records and in the notes written by their previous doctors, I usually uncover a lot of additional information that's actually really relevant. So many older people move to a new primary care doctor and it takes a long time for their health information to come. And during that time, they're really at risk for getting care that's not ideal and that's not going to be the best fit for helping them feel the best they can be and be the best they can be. So when you maintain a personal health record and you're able to bring that information to the new primary care doctor, it really helps get that new relationship with a primary care doctor off to the best start. And then a fifth problem that also um, comes up and is somewhat related to the previous one, it's getting suboptimal help from a specialist or a consultant. So older adults are often referred to specialists, and in some cases, they might even be able to refer themselves. It kind of depends on the type of Medicare insurance they have. But studies have shown that often when an older adult goes to see a new specialist, the specialist doesn't have enough information to do their best work. And that might be because the primary care doctor didn't didn't send enough um, When primary care doctors make a referral, they're supposed to send relevant information, but some doctor's offices are better than others at doing that. Or in other cases, it might be that even the primary care doctor doesn't have all the information because some of our older patients are seeing their primary care doctor and also several other specialists. And those specialists might have some medical information that would be relevant to the new specialist. So again, coming to that consultation visit without all the useful and relevant medical information means a delay in getting the health care that is needed and is wanted. So those are some common situations that come up in the health care of older adults, and they're all related to doctors not having the medical information that would be useful and relevant at the time of care. But the good thing is that Even a very basic and low-tech personal health record, such as a paper binder, which is probably the most basic form, even having that can make a big difference in helping an older person get better health care in an emergency or when they go and see a new doctor. So at a minimum, having a personal health record helps you avoid hassle and delays in care. And every now and then, it'll also really make a difference in avoiding an error or a dangerous oversight. So that's why I feel it's a really important and useful thing for people to do and a great way to be proactive. Now, let me tell you a little bit about how to actually go about setting up and using a personal health record. 
There are basically three key activities involved in maintaining and using a personal health record. And these are things that generally you'll have to do on an ongoing basis. So remember that a personal health record is not something that you do just once and forget about. It's a little investment in your infrastructure, as it were, for taking care of your health or your parents' health if you're helping somebody out. So the three key things that are involved are these. One is to obtain copies of the useful relevant medical information in an ongoing way. So since most older people see doctors periodically, repeatedly, often regularly, then you have to have a way of getting information regularly. The second thing is keeping the information in a personal health record. So once you get a copy of the information, you have to have a way of storing it and organizing it. And we'll talk about a few um, different ways to do that in a little bit. So, and then three, you should be able to share the information in the health record with the doctors and nurses when the older person goes to see a health provider or if the doctor asks, do you have this information? So again, these are three activities that you kind of have to keep doing over time and so it really helps to figure out some kind of little routine or system for doing this. So just as you may have a system for keeping track of your bills or financial documents and filing them away and then maybe reviewing them regularly at certain times of year, you want to have a system for getting the medical information, keeping it, organizing it, and then being able to find what you need when it's necessary. So now, let me share some specifics on how you can manage each of those activities. I think for many people, what feels the hardest is obtaining copies of useful medical information. And that's in part because we as a health care system, until recently, have not done a very good job of making it easy for people to get their health information. This has gotten easier in recent years because many doctors now use electronic medical records which usually have a patient portal, which means a web page where the patient can log in and see at least some of their medical information. So one way to get your medical information is to download or get a copy of whatever information, especially test results, have been made available to you in the portal. Now, I don't recommend that you rely just on the portal for keeping your information. I have people sometimes tell me, oh, I have copies, they're in the portals, but many older adults are actually seeing several different doctors in different health systems. And so then they end up with their information in a series of different portals, which is not great. And also you wanna have the information in a place where you keep it and control it and can organize it. So, so I really recommend uh, finding a way to print or download the information that's in the portal. And then you'll need to get information beyond what's in the portal. And that's because most patient portals don't offer access to the complete medical record. And by that, I mean they don't give you access to what we might call professional level information, which mainly means the notes that doctors write for other clinicians. Now, there is a movement afoot to give patients access to their complete medical chart. It's being funded by some large progressive foundations, and it's possible that this will become the norm within the next several years. But for now, it's not all that common for patient portals to let you access the complete clinical notes in which doctors document your symptoms, their findings on physical exam, your diagnoses, their thought process, and the next steps for your healthcare. Which means that if you want copies of this information, and I recommend you get this type of information because this is exactly what other doctors will need to see 
in order to avoid those common healthcare pitfalls I described earlier in this episode. If you want copies of this information, you'll need to ask your doctor or the healthcare organization for copies. And I actually have some ideas on how you can do this more easily, which I'll share in a moment. But first, I want to highlight four particular types of doctor-level medical information that I find are especially useful for people to have in their personal health record. The first is emergency room reports. Now, keep in mind, this is not the patient discharge instruction sheet that they always give people when they leave the emergency room. This is the clinical note dictated or typed by the ER clinician, and it's meant to be read by other doctors, such as the patient's primary care provider. These are really useful documents. They include the doctor's understanding of why the person came to the ER, the physical exam findings, what tests were done, what the results were, and then the doctor's conclusions as to the diagnosis and the treatment plan. So that's one type of health information that I really encourage people to obtain and keep in their personal health record. Similar to this are the clinical notes related to being hospitalized and being discharged from the hospital. If a person is admitted to the hospital, which usually happens after being in the emergency room, not only will the emergency room doctor write an ER clinical note, but once there's a decision made to admit the person to the hospital, then a doctor in the hospital has to write what's called a hospital history and physical note. It's also uh, sometimes called the hospital admissions note. These are so useful for me when I get them because in this note, the doctor usually summarizes the person's complete medical history. So if it's done well, it's just a great way to get a quick, useful summary of a person's health history. And then in the note, the doctor also kind of reports what's going on, why the person's being hospitalized, the findings from the emergency room, and perhaps how it fits in with the rest of what's known about the past medical history and um, the plan for the hospitalization. Then at the end of the hospitalization, when people leave the hospital, Uh, the hospital is required to have the doctor dictate a discharge summary. And that usually summarizes why the person came in, also usually includes some information about the past medical history, and then summarizes what happened during the hospitalization, what the diagnoses were, and what should happen next for the person's health. So both those notes, the hospital admission note and the hospital discharge summary are really useful, really important. And I highly encourage you to get a copy after hospitalization and keep it in your personal health record. Along with those clinical notes for the emergency room and for hospitalizations, I also highly encourage people to get copies of laboratory results. Now, those are often available in the patient portal, although I found that with some patient portals, they're not available if the labs were drawn in the emergency room or the hospital, which is kind of a shame because that's right when people are sick and there are sort of interesting, important things going on health-wise. So do get copies of your laboratory results and make sure you also have copies of tests that were done in the emergency room or in the hospital. And then radiology results or results from any other kind of imaging or diagnostic procedure. So such as an echocardiogram or scans, those or ultrasounds, those are all very useful and important to have in your personal health record as, as well. Now, there are still other types of health information that are helpful to have if you want to be really complete. And a while back, I created a detailed list called 10 Useful Types of Medical Information to Bring to a New Doctor. And I wrote that after a friend was moving his elderly father, his father who was in his early 90s, from the East Coast to California to live near him. So that's a pretty comprehensive list of everything that's useful to have. And I'll link to that article in the show notes because it's a good list of what 
which you can put in a personal health record. And of course, it's especially helpful if you're in a similar position where an older person is going to move and switch to a new primary care doctor. But if you have limited time and energy and want to focus your efforts on obtaining the medical information that's the most high value and most likely to make a difference, I recommend starting with uh, the types I mentioned a little while ago, which were clinical notes from the emergency room and hospital, laboratory results, and radiology and imaging results. Now, how can you get copies of this information without too much hassle? You can ask a doctor in writing, but what I find works especially well is when you're seeing a doctor in the office, especially your primary care doctor, but you can do it with specialists also, it's to actually ask them, can I get a copy of that information? If they have some of the information, which I have on my list of 10 useful types of medical information to bring to a new doctor and keep in your personal health record, just ask them. So if your doctor orders blood tests and then you go back to talk about the results, ask them for a copy right then and there. Or if you go see the primary care doctor after a hospitalization or an emergency room visit, you can ask for a copy of that emergency room summary or that hospital discharge summary. Otherwise, if my shortcut method of asking the doctor during your visit doesn't work, you'll have to resort to a more formal approach, which usually means submitting a request for your medical information in writing. You do have a right as a patient to obtain copies of your medical information, but it does sometimes take a written request and it may take a little while for the provider to comply. If you're a family caregiver and your relative has signed one of those health information releases, you can also request your relative's health information on his or her behalf. So once you have the information, then we have step two, which is keeping it in a personal health record. Now, how you keep the information will depend on the type of personal health record you set up. The most basic low technology approach is to keep paper copies in a binder or a file folder. And I have seen this work for many families, uh, especially if there aren't too, too many medical records to keep track of. And it's not a bad solution. What's most important is for you to do something that's feasible and easily doable. And that is often what's easiest for people to do. On the other hand, um, there are a lot of advantages to keeping the records in some kind of digital format. First of all, you, they, they can't uh, be lost in quite the same way, usually, that paper records can be. It's sometimes easier to share the records with other family members or some services even allow you to send it to, to doctors. And also, if you have a lot of medical records, one advantage of keeping them in some kind of digital format is that you can search them often, which can be helpful if you're there looking and trying to think, well, where was that x-ray or where was that scan that dad had of his brain? So in the show notes, I'll share a link to a post where I describe in a little bit more detail how you can go about picking either a lower tech or a higher tech system to help you keep track of your personal health records. And then the third step is sharing the information in the health record when the older person is seeing a doctor. So again, in my work practicing, I just can't tell you how many times I've seen an older person and we've realized that we're in need of some kind of medical information, often it's laboratory results from another doctor or from the hospital. And then we have to wait a while while we try to find a way to retrieve it from uh, the other doctor. It's also pretty common in my experience um, to see older adults and the family tells me, oh, they went to the emergency room. But although people can usually tell me why they went, they're often not sure what the doctors found and, and what the cause was for the problem. 
And the problem really is that among us as doctors and health systems, we're very bad at exchanging information. This is a problem that the quality people have been working on for quite some time, and they keep sort of promising to make systems where information moves seamlessly, but it hasn't happened yet, and I think it's still going to be a ways off. So again, one of the best things you can do is have copies so that you can share it or present it to a doctor when it's needed. And then in terms of sharing it with the doctor, I find that it's uh, the easiest is if you can bring a paper copy or quickly print something in paper when you come to see the doctor. If you want to be really proactive before going to see a doctor or a specialist, you might touch base with them and say, is there any past health information that you're going to need for the visit? And they might tell you, and then you can print that or bring it. Or you can bring your whole binder. If you keep your personal health record on something like a USB stick, which some people do, or in a special app, just bear in mind that if it's a lot of work for the doctor to view your information and make a copy for themselves, then that's definitely slowing down the process. And, and some doctors, if it's a lot of work, won't even want to look at your information, which is maybe not optimal medical care, but often they're trying to balance what might be optimal medically with their need to get through their day in a timely fashion. So it is great if you can bring something that's easy for them to view or print. And, and every doctor's office has a way of viewing or scanning paper information so that they can get a copy into their own record. So those are the essentials of setting up and maintaining a personal health record in order to be proactive and put yourself in the position to get the best health care possible. You basically need to get the copies of the medical information, have a way to organize it and keep it, and then especially be able to share it, whether it's an emergency or whether it's a follow-up visit with your regular doctor or a doctor who's never seen you. If you maintain some type of personal health record, you will have done more to be a prepared patient or family caregiver than most people, and it will almost certainly enable you to get better, safer care from the healthcare system. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about setting up or maintaining your own medical record system for an older adult, you can post your question on the show notes page for this episode, and I'll try to answer it as quickly as I can. I've also posted links to some of the articles I referred to in this episode on the show notes page, including that list of 10 types of medical information that you should have if you're going to go see a new doctor, as well as an article on how family caregivers can keep and organize the health information of a relative. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. And lastly, I want to thank you all for listening. If you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and a review. This makes it so much easier for others to discover the show in iTunes, and I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.